When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Cousins has time going for a sideline. So it's Diggs. Touchdown. He'll do a second and goal from the 11 after the penalty. Cousins going end zone. There's Kyle Rudolph. Touchdown. All right, TCL Broadcast Studios. Mackie and Judd, our new hours, 3 to 6 p.m., uh, one final hour. Courtney Cronin, ESPN.com Vikings writer, will join us at 5.15. And the show right now is Zolgad, Matthew Collar, who, of course, does a great job covering the Vikings for us at 1500ESPN.com, and Manny Hill, of course. All right, you are uh, fresh from the TCO Performance Center of Performance, as you like to call mm-hmm. it. So what can you tell us about the latest goings-on in Purple Land? Well, I know that the uh, big, huge breaking news item is that Aviant Collins is uh, on injured reserve now, and the Vikings have added an additional offensive lineman, um, a guy that has started a handful of games, and that's all there is to it. He's going to be down on the depth chart. That's all I can tell you. What happened to Collins? Uh, I don't really know. Do we have any idea? No, I, so I just I showed mean, up on the yeah, injury report, I, I, and then he was, and now he's done. I mean, he played in the fourth preseason game, and then he was on the injury report last week, and it uh, looked like, okay, he's out for the game, no big deal, and maybe he'll just miss one game, and then all of a sudden he's on injured reserve out for the season, so it must have been a, a lot more serious. But uh, the guy that they brought in, his name is Brian Witzman, Okay. Who uh, went to South Dakota a few years ago and had a handful of starts over his career. 13 last year with the Chiefs. Didn't play particularly well, but also didn't play badly. He's kind of a Jeremiah Searles type. Somebody who is an in-case-of-emergency type of player mm-hmm. to take Aviant Collins. Uh, I think the offensive line is a story from yesterday, among many others. But the one that's at the, at the top of my list is Sheldon Richardson. Um, because... Even Mike Zimmer was blown away today by Sheldon Richardson and his performance yesterday. To me, he was the best player on the entire field of anyone who suited up yesterday. When I went back and watched the game... Oh, you've gone back by now? Yeah. yeah okay, yeah. I didn't know I if you got the, back to watch it. Yeah, the, the wait, all-22 all film... Wait, hold football! Football! Yeah! Yeah! Football! Yeah! Football! Yeah! So, so the All-22 film doesn't come out until tomorrow, but I'll usually go back and look at the broadcast and listen to it. So there's a, a bunch of things I have for you, and one thing is something that got said on the broadcast that I found very interesting. Uh, but the first thing is that Zimmer said, where the heck was that during like preseason and training camp? Sheldon Richardson is a veteran, and he was saving it up. Good for and, him. And that's the thing. Good. I, when we're in camp, 
I don't even look at a guy like Sheldon Richardson because I can see what he's done in the actual NFL. So I'm not even watching him a whole heck of a lot. If he catches my eye, he catches my eye. He mauled the San Francisco 49ers. I mean, he would he was taking guys and just mashing them back into the quarterback. He was chasing down Jimmy Garoppolo from behind on a play. He was stuffing runs. He did everything. And we saw him last year have an okay time playing for Seattle. Right. I thought he was all right. I mean, there were times where he was really special. This was the Sheldon Richardson of like 2014 when he used to just dominate for the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. That's what it looked like. This is a man who wants a giant contract. What changed? Con- contract. Just contract? I, I think that Not last schemes. year he had nine sacks at one point a few years ago. Yep. And he only had one sack last year. Yep. Now, that's not quite indicative of his play. He was still very good. But I think he came into this year thinking, if I sign a one-year deal with this d- defensive line and I go out there and give it 110, that I'm signing that huge contract, that 50, 60, $70 million deal that someone's going to give me long-term, and then I can be there for the rest of my career. I think that that's what he's interested in, and mm-hmm. I do not blame him at all mm-hmm. for that. I mean, go get as much money as you possibly can, man. And I think everybody... Looked at him yesterday, Everson Griffin, Daniel Hunter, Mike Zimmer, and went, whoa, this is on a totally different level from what they've had here. Even when Shreve Floyd was at his best, I think Richardson yesterday was better than him. Wow. So this is, so um, among the things that you saw um, that stood out, that, that is obviously point number one. What else, either good or bad, when you went back and watched the uh, Fox copy, surprised you uh, and was different, possibly, or different from what you thought than what we had seen in the press box. Well, one thing that caught my ear was at the beginning of the game, they sent it down to Pam Oliver, who was talking about a conversation she had with Kyle Shanahan. And Kyle Shanahan loves Kirk Cousins. Like, he wanted yeah, Kirk Cousins wanted bad. really badly. Mm-hmm. But he told Pam Oliver that one of Kirk Cousins' shortcomings is that if someone's not open, he's not going to throw it there. And that he likes to know as he goes into his drop back exactly what he's supposed to see on defense. And if there's anything else that throws him off, that's his, that could be his big issue. Now that goes for probably half the league's quarterback. So that's not super unique. But it was only interesting to me that Shanahan was pointing out something that we've talked about quite a bit. But even telling a reporter, yeah, we know that he probably doesn't throw it into contested situations. But... Yesterday, he did that in two touchdown passes. Yeah, that, they were he, perfectly dropped in. Right, that he trusted both Stephon Diggs yep. and Kyle Rudolph. And what I've wondered a lot throughout the offseason of watching Cousins is how many of the things from Washington will carry over and how many won't. So he was questioned as a leader a bunch of times. So far, it's 1-0, so who knows. But so far, I mean, there's nothing to question about how he's led this team. And how he's related to the other right. players and the coaches and the offensive coordinator or anything. It's a long season. But so far, that hasn't been any part of the conversation with Cousins. I think the only thing that we're going to come down to that's going to leave us perplexed at times, Collar, is what we discussed on the Purple Pod after Sunday's game. And it's this. Game managing situations in certain circumstances are going to leave you scratching your head from a quarterback who can be this good. Well, now here's another thing that I learned today from the Performance Center of Performance in Egan. You go to Egan, you learn so much. I know. Uh, which is that Mike Zimmer at this moment is going to defend Cousins on anything, I think. I'm not surprised be- because by this. I think not, we predicted this, by the I, way. I'm not either. I'm not either. And, and we're going to see how this morphs as we go along. But 
There is no question at all that the end of the first half was botched. The two-minute drill was botched. Yeah. Zimmer said today that he was taking responsibility for that because he told Filippo, let's just get a first down, run out the clock, and go into the halftime with a seven-point lead. Mm-hmm. But they got the ball to midfield. Mm-hmm. So they're in mid- midfield with just under a minute left. And then Kirk Cousins has two bad situational football plays. One, he completes a three-yard pass over the middle, which does no good for them. And another one is a six-yard loss screen pass that kills all the time they would have potentially had. If you go up two scores at halftime, your chance of winning is like 95% in the NFL, as opposed to one score. Even if it's a field goal, you're going to be way, way closer to winning. And they gave that opportunity away. You also have a kicker who can make it from 55, 60 yards. We sure didn't find that out yesterday. We did not. So they gave away that opportunity, but we, but instead of Zimmer saying, well, yeah, I don't know why Kirk didn't just throw it at his feet or something like that, he deflected that, he brought it back to himself, and I think that's what we're going to get We predicted that, though. Yep. We called that. The, yep. o- the only question is how long does that last? Mm-hmm. How long does it last before, Mike, you know for the first four weeks? One thing, one thing I will say... In examining the uh, the results around the National Football League on Sunday and Thursday's game, I think through the first quarter of the season, it's safe to, to say this. And the Vikings deserve credit for winning that game. But I think it's safe to say that is a quarter of the season in which you will have as many teams or more teams lose games than win games for themselves. I think the San Francisco 49ers did the Vikings a huge favor. I think Kyle Shanahan had a terrible uh, play calling game. I think if you go through that game and look at the circumstances and if you transplanted that game now, let's say to week six or seven, I think there's a good chance San Francisco wins that game. So credit to the Vikings. They won a game, that, but they also took advantage of the fact that a 49ers team that I think ultimately will be pretty good played a really bad game. A dumb game. Yeah, there's so many mistakes that they made that close the door on any chance they had to win. And the door was propped open for them in a number of different ways. I mean, the the failure to kill any time off the clock in the fourth quarter with two different possessions that reminded me last year of Jacksonville in the AFC Championship game where they just could not figure out how to kill clock against the uh, New England Patriots and continue to move the ball. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the Vikings gave the ball back in a one-score game with seven minutes left, and then the defense had to take care of business with interceptions uh, one by Xavier Rhodes, one by Harrison Smith, that were ungarapolo like from what he looked like at the end of last season. But I think this defense does that to people. U.S. Bank Stadium does that to people. Um, but, you know, as far as how the, both teams played, I think that the coaches walk away going, wow, there was a lot to regret there. And, there really and with, was. The, with the 49ers, yes. Kyle Shanahan should be looking in the mirror. I mean, handing the well, ball off to some ancient running so ex- back at the goal Explain that to me. What, I, I can't. After watching the TV copy, can you give me any lucid explanation for, for a guy who is known for his ability to work with quarterbacks and play calling, Alfred Morris at the goal line? And not only that, you give it to him and tell him to run straight up the gut against those two tackles? So Mike Zimmer and I talked about this a, a little bit, not like uh, as buddy-buddy or anything, but just in a press conference we went back and forth on this about him and game management and how he's improved over the last few years. And this may be a thing that Kyle Shanahan is still inexperienced at when it's in big games and big situations. Because Zimmer said that he has put a ton of time into studying all of these things, into the game management and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I, I wonder if it's part inexperience 
for Kyle Shanahan that he hasn't been doing it this long. Yep. And we've seen Zimmer get significantly better at it as we've gone along. I thought last year he was very good on deciding when to punt, when to go for it, all those types of little things. Which he was he, not not when he started here. He missed on a challenge, but I thought it was a reasonable challenge yeah. yesterday. But he's improved uh, in that area. But, but he has improved. And Absolutely. we see inexperienced coaching botch it a lot of times. Matt Nagy last night with one of the most baffling decisions I have ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. It's fourth and one. Yeah, fourth and one. You have Jordan Howard, who they can't stop. Yep. If you give the ball back to Rodgers, you know you lose. I know. Like, have you been watching him play? I kept telling my wife, there's too much time left. She's like, that's not much time left. I said, there's too much time left. He gave it back to him. I can't believe he gave it back to him. Made no no sense. And you know, the moment they did, you knew the Packers were going to score the touchdown. Of course. Everybody knew. It was inevitable. It's it's Farvinian, right? And even from an analytics perspective, that when you tell the opponent, that they have to score a touchdown, right. they're usually more aggressive and score and win more often than they do even when you're up by a field goal. All right, let's uh, take a break. Cronin will join us. Mackie and Judd are back. You're about to make a whole lot of people around here real happy. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios on 1500 ESPN. All right, TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd in our uh, new time slot, 3 to 6 p.m. Right now, it is Zolgad, Matthew Collar, 1500ESPN.com. Check out his work, including his latest opus that he wrote uh, today after the Vikings Day After Press Conference on Sheldon Richardson and Manny. And now joining the conversation, our friend from ESPN, Courtney Cronin. What's up, Courtney? I'm tired. What's wrong? Why? I don't know. I mean, like, week one, I'm just exhausted already. We didn't even travel, and I felt like I got hit by a bus. So I don't know how I'm going to make it through this season. It's like training camp hangover. Is yeah, that what's going on here? Yeah, like, what? I don't know. I guess I just, I'm just not in week one shape. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just not there yet. Cor- Courtney, could you imagine if you had to cover the Titans and Dolphins game <laughs> yesterday? Oh, my God. Like, I would have left. I, you know, like, call, call me. Like, I'm going to go back to my hotel. I'll Uber back when it's, like, three hours later. So, a uh, question for you. Um, Jay Novacek, the former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys, played in the 90s with them. Uh, he has an impersonator, and he tweeted about it, that someone is impersonating him in, like, Las Vegas and taking pictures with him, telling them... Uh, it's a guy named Dwight who's just telling people he's Jay Novacek. So, if someone mistaked you for a former famous athlete... Would you just keep it going? Because I think I would if if I had sort of the presence of mind to be like, oh, yeah, that's me. I'm Mikel Granlund. <laughs> well, it, I think it would have to depend who who I'm being mistaken for. I mean, if it's, if it's a long snapper, I mean, obviously I'm all for that. But, I mean, if it's somebody of, you know, lesser importance, I don't know if I even want that. So, okay, so let's say let's say that you sold that, though. Jay Novacek. And people are like, oh, yeah, you're him. Here's my question. What would you get from it? You make people happy. That's what but you like, get from but, it. But, like, okay, you're a former Cowboy tight end. I don't, yeah, that's sort of cool, but it's not like you're a star player. I just don't yeah. know. what. What's the next step there? So so you're playing it off, and, and let's say you continue the ruse. What's the next step to getting something off of that? Probably, like, going, uh, trying to, like, Parlay that into an acting career. I, I would think. I mean, you could. I'm you know, I would come up with my comp sheet. I would put like all my references down and be like, "Oh yeah, one time mistaken for such and such," and then you parlay it into uh, Broadway, probably. Would you try to get free stuff from people if if someone thought you were like Steffi Graf or something? Would you just be like, 
Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's have dinner for free on yeah. you. Food. Buy Steffi Graf food. Clothing, whatever, whatever it is, whatever it is, I'm all for it. Um, Courtney, today I no I'm going to move on from this if that's okay with you. You started uh, it, so yeah, I know. Go ahead and move on from um, that. I do. I want to circle back to the long snapping issue, but let's first focus on what we found out uh, today from Mike Zimmer. It really stuck out to me the way he talked about Sheldon Richardson, as if he was surprised at how good Sheldon Richardson was on Sunday. Well, I just think it's a matter of, you know, Richardson didn't do much in the preseason. Um, not that you really, I guess, you know, needed or expected that, but to, to see him in the interior push he provided yesterday, this is the upgraded three technique that Mike Zimmer uh, wanted so badly in the off season, and, and watching what Sheldon Richardson did, um, you know, the multiple times they, they tried to run on him and it was unsuccessful. And I mean, but, you know, even with the pass rush, uh, the job that how much easier he made to Neil Hunter's job on that sack by you know pushing Jimmy Garoppolo into him. That's that that's another level that Mike Zimmer has not seen you know with his own two eyes in camp um, in the preseason with Sheldon Richardson. I mean he played like a Pro Bowler yesterday, which I think you know that's exactly why they brought him in here. Um, you know Richardson's you know I think it's kind of a cool dynamic of you know you have 11 guys on defense he's the only one who's the new starter here what does he provide what what's different for him now I mean he's here on a one-year deal it's his chance to you know do exactly what he did yesterday um, you know a minimum of 15 more times and you know get a big payday whether it's with the Vikings or it's elsewhere I mean he, there's a reason the contract length is what it is and it's a prove-it deal for him and I think that you know by all indications of what we saw yesterday, he's on his way to doing that. What do you guys think is the is the step for a young man named Daniel Carlson to win the trust of his head coach? Because there were a couple situations yesterday where you could have tried lengthy field goals, which is why he was drafted, right? He, he was drafted because he's got this huge leg. What do you think the step is, though, for uh, for Zim to say, you know what, the, the first half is just about done, it's 60 yards, yes, that's long, but you've got this booming leg, so we're going to at least give you the opportunity to attempt a field goal like that? Well, I mean, I think I think what he did, you know, in the first quarter was, was a good indicator that, you know, the jitters and all the stuff that we saw from that one preseason game are not, it's not just a carryover, Um to, to what you're getting at, as far as like you know, in the, with uh, I believe what you're saying, Judd, it looks like when the clock was winding down yep. and under the two minute warning. I mean, Mike Zimmer said, you know, we asked him today about it, and he said he didn't want to give the ball back. I think a lot of that situationally, um, you know, they had a lot of stuff they wanted to work on in the two in the two minute well, under the two minute warning um, that probably really doesn't. I don't think that had much of an effect to do with Daniel Carlson. I just don't think they wanted to give the ball back. Uh, if you were to grade Kirk Cousins' performance yesterday, A, B, C, D, what would it be? You can use B. you can use the plus and minus if you want. A plus. I'm going to give it a solid B because I think he aced the first quarter, or aced the first quarter, aced the second quarter, aced the first half, um, and then things really slipped up. I mean, it started to slip up with Dalvin Cook and the fumble, and that kind of turned things at a really critical time where. You know, had he had he broken? I mean, he broke that. He broke a tackle uh, when they had three inline. You know, they brought the three tight ends in to be inline blockers. And I mean, had he not fumbled the ball, that's a touchdown. That was a really crucial stop for the 49ers defense at that time. And you know, I think that the offense would have kept rolling, and they probably would have scored again. 
Um, you know, but that's really no fault of Kirk Cousins. I just think in the second half, you kind of saw the, you know, you saw good Kirk with bad Kirk. Um, you know, some of the, you know, with a two-minute warning, some of the decision-making uh, there at the end of the first half. And then, you know, the the near interception, a ball that he cannot throw uh, to, to Stephon Diggs that was nearly picked off by Jaquaski Tart. I mean, there's there's still a lot here uh, to be worked out with Stephon Diggs, with, excuse me, with Kirk Cousins. I don't think that there's anything that's completely solved and you know, like, okay, going forward, he's got the offense completely figured out. I think that there's still a work in progress here, but they, he did exactly what they needed him to do. He didn't throw any interceptions. He did 244 yards, two touchdowns that were, you know, incredibly difficult passes in the tight windows with a hand in his face in, on the Kyle Rudolph touchdown. I think he handled it as well as he could and, and gave them exactly what they needed and, and you know, let, allowed himself to have the backing of the number one defense to get himself out of a jam when they needed to. Yeah, and Cousins did not have a whole lot of help up front. That there were pressures allowed, especially from DeForest Buckner, who had three sacks. But it's something that Mike Zimmer talked about, and I think the Vikings really need to succeed in this area, is the offensive line blocking for the run. And when I went back and watched yeah. the game, and I'm sure you did too, Courtney, one thing you notice over and over and over again is Brett Jones cannot get out to a linebacker as a center. He just can't make it. He can't get there. That he did okay in most pass protection and some other run blocking, but he's just not Pat Elfline when it comes to his quickness. And they had a lot of trouble there that San Francisco's linebackers were able to make plays in the run game. Well, yeah, I mean, that's the number one thing. Anybody still questioning, oh, when Elfline comes back, is he going to play left guard? And No, like, there's a reason... <laughs> That they, dra- that they traded up to draft him in the third round. I mean, he's incredibly athletic. The screen game is a gigantic product. How effective it was is a gigantic product of how good Pat Elfline is at getting out to second level. So let's just put that aside. I was really kind of surprised, to be completely honest with you, with the right side of the offensive line. I don't think Mike Remmers had his best game yesterday. Granted, it's his fourth time starting at guard. But in the, in the run, I mean, his run blocking was not good. We know that's been an issue with Rashawn Hill dating back to last season, um, you know, I really just, I, I, I think that that's a big, I was kind of a glaring, kind of a glaring issue when I watched back the, the game this morning um, of how many runs just got stopped right at the line of scrimmage with Alvin Cook, mm-hmm. um, you know, when he ran to that side. And it's okay, well, is that happening because his field vision telling him, all right, you know, where Tom Compton's playing, I mean, we, we obviously he had some issues, he struggled you know, early on throughout the preseason, maybe he saw something there that, you know, he didn't want to attempt, you know, running that way. And they weren't able to, you know, compensate on the right side either. The run blocking I don't think was great yesterday. Granted, they had, as as Matthew said, they had, you know, eight in the box the whole time. So, I mean, that's what you expect. That's what Seattle gave them in the preseason. But you needed more from your run game, uh, and it really needed to come from up front. And, you know, to, to one point I saw a stat that somebody had on Twitter um, I think Cousins had an average of 2.4 or 2.3 seconds to throw yesterday. Uh, that's that's not a lot of time. And, I mean, his, the pass protection is up and down at best. Um, they, they need to find ways to remedy that because, you know, the 49ers defensive line is probably more underrated than people are willing, you know, probably better than people are willing to give it credit for, but it gets a lot more difficult in the coming weeks. So a Cook didn't have a huge day statistically, but I will say this, for a guy – uh, who missed the majority of last year and just came back for his first game of importance on Sunday. I think we got a taste of of how important he's going to be 
Delvin mm-hmm. Cook, Delvin Cook. If this offense starts to click and guys come back, uh, and and it starts to operate at the efficiency that it probably should, I think Delvin Cook's going to be an absolute nightmare because he's the one guy. If he's on that field, that teams have to account for, and they have to account for him in a multitude of spots. Courtney. Sure. I mean, when he's the screen game is going to be their most lethal weapon with Dalvin Cook involved once he's able to finally rip off that big run because, you know, teams scheme for it, they plan for it, they gave him a good fight. The 49ers gave him a really good look yesterday. And I think, I mean, obviously that one in the two minute, another two minute war, another two minute drill um, that, you know, they dropped the pass and it was a five yard loss. That was tough. But, Cook in the passing game is a is a lethal weapon for Kirk Cousins. I mean, when you're trying to you know make a quick decision with it with a heightened pass rush, you have to be able to have that quick out. And having a running back who you know is such a dynamic pass catcher only makes your job that much easier. And it's a security blanket to you know kind of give Kirk these quote unquote layups. You know, give him you know get him to to second and manageable, so he's not you know having to make you know. Yeah, take big shots down the field early on. I mean, I think that that's, you know, these chunk yardage things that Dalvin Cook is really effective with. I mean, use it to your advantage, and, you know, he can also give you that explosive game. You know, build up to that explosive game. Football! Football, yeah! Football! Thank you, Courtney Cronin. Talk to you later. All right, bye, guys. Bye. Check out Courtney's work uh, uh, at ESPN.com. Let's come back and... Matthew Collar, uh, provide a Green Bay Packer quarterback update because Mike McCarthy addressed the media today, and we're all waiting with bated breath to find out who starts at quarterback on uh, Sunday against the Vikings. And also, while well, plenty more football talk, Patrick Royce will join to end the show. 7-5. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios. Please keep working during the following announcement. Mackie and Judd are back on 1500 ESPN. Update on traffic for you, brought to you by It's Just Lunch. 94 eastbound, about a six-minute delay due to a crash uh, between County Road 33 and 35E, so be on the lookout for that. Also, eastbound 94, 12-minute delay uh, between uh, Highway 55 and 5th Street in Minneapolis, so look out. Uh, That's due to a a crash as well. Judd and Collar back in the TCL Broadcast Thank you, Manny. Studios. Appreciate it. Uh, news out of Green Bay Wiss today via Rob Domofsky, ESPN staff writer, covers the Packers. Packer coach Mike McCarthy um, either could not or would not say anything specific Monday regarding Aaron Rodgers' knee injury or his status for the Week 2 game at Lambeau against the Vikings. <laughs> of course. Here, here's here's the most football football coach quotes, Matthew. We do have some information, and no decision has been made. We're still collecting all information. As, <laughs> as if you're going to get a late report. Oh, my yeah. God, his knee. It's, it's, we're going to have to amputate. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to play against the Minnesota Vikings next week in Lambeau Field. Or you and I, Judd, are going to get there and turn around and drive right the hell back here. There is no way after what he just did, unless that thing implodes over the next week, that he is not playing against the Vikings. The game is way too huge. I mean, these are two teams that are separated by slivers for where they're going to finish in the division, 
And uh, even though after the first half, everyone had decided the Packers were completely out of it and the Bears had now won the division, um, I think that he proved. <laughs> so true. I, I so mean, true. it was just ludicrous. I, I think it I decided ludicrous. that too. New Orleans last year got torched by the Vikings yeah. and ended up being one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah. It's week one. Okay. It, and they got torched by Ryan Fitzpatrick yesterday. Yeah, and it right. Doesn't matter. Yeah. And it doesn't matter because it's week one. And I'm going to go ahead and guess New Orleans is just going to be fine over the long haul that they'll get it back together but um anyway you know when it comes to rogers having to play through the pain and all that sort of thing i think this is a situation where he's going to do it if it was the jets that they were playing maybe they would be cautious because they could beat them with deshaun kaiser but you're not beating the minnesota vikings without aaron Rodgers. we saw that last year and the game is just way too big he will play mike mccarthy you can tell us it's okay you could say yeah we expect him to play I mean, the Vikings, are they preparing for Deshaun Kaiser today? Well, no. that's, that was going to be my question, though. Wh- what did they see in De- Deshaun Kaiser <laughs> with the Browns last year to make them think, you know, we're going to bring him yeah. in because he's going to be better than Brett Hundley. And that's not to say Brett Hundley. We all know Brett Hundley yeah. was terrible, too, but my goodness. Yeah, I. it reminds me a little bit of, like... Oh, I don't know, every quarterback that I saw in Buffalo for one reason or another, whether it was Rob Johnson or J.P. Lossman or E.J. Manuel, there's always a team after that's like, no, we should give this guy a second chance. We saw some things that we really like, so we're going to bring him in as a backup. And then usually the guy's out of the league shortly after, or he just ends up the Todd Collins route where he's 36 and you discover that he's on a roster and you go, what? This guy's actually playing well? Still around? <laughs> that's the Fitzpatrick or, thing that's incredible. Well, see, Fitzpatrick's different. Fitzpatrick is a NFL starting quarterback. I'm talking about guys who were drafted high who have potential but like Fitzpatrick is a total outlier, seventh round pick story. EJ Manuel's a first round Harvard. pick. Yeah, and the same thing with Kaiser. He's a second round pick. So these high pick guys who you think, no, no, they've actually got potential. I, the football genius, smart football guy, I can get it out of them. And I think that that's what we saw with the Packers trading for Deshaun Kaiser and he's making him basically the same guy as Brett yeah. Hundley was yep. last year. Yep. Like I'm watching well, this, I'm like, it's the same and, thing. And it's terrible. That's my question that I have for the Packers. So you got rid of your old GM to get a new, potentially more progressive, proactive GM in. You just saw a backup quarterback who was a complete train wreck. It's very clear around the league now that teams that think that they have a shot at a championship are trying to get a halfway decent backup quarterback. And the Packers go and they say, we need to make a change. And I'm sure their fan base are like, yeah, you need to make a change. Someone has to be there if Aaron gets hurt. And they say, damn right, we're getting Deshaun Kaiser. What are you doing? Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's enough. Trevor Simeon. Trevor Simeon is not a terrible choice as a backup quarterback. Deshaun Kaiser is awful. Yep, there's enough guys that are kicking around that you would have thought, they should go after. I mean, there are a bunch of teams that needed Teddy Bridgewater as their backup. The Saints got him. They're in that situation. But Green Bay would have been another team that maybe in the offseason he wouldn't have signed on to just be a backup. He went to a spot where he could potentially win the starting job. But once he came out on the trade market, the Rams should have been after him. The Packers should have been after him. It is hard to find a... I don't know, what would you call him? A Steve DeBerg or something like those? Well, that's the, the way back. Yeah, I like those, that. Those way classic back guys, Vinny Testaverdi, who ended yeah. up, you know, you have to go in in a pinch or, or Kerry Collins, I think, 
was a backup a handful of times. It's not easy to find those guys. The Vikings got the upper end of that last year and, and saved their season. That's all you're ever looking for, though, is a guy who can just keep your season alive mm-hmm. through five games, through four games or something like that. And, and can Deshaun Kaiser? No. And, and what's Deshaun interesting? Kaiser cannot, and as what, we saw last night. And what's interesting about that, you get Seattle, who trades for Brett Hundley, and they're going to get Russell Wilson killed. Because their offensive line is a mess. So what are they going to do if he gets injured and he has to miss four or five games? You're going to put Brett Hundley out there? Good luck. The answer is yes. Have but, fun. But I don't think Seattle is an actual contender in 2018. Yeah, I don't think I so. Do, I don't, I'm talking about teams. Their, their that, defense isn't good anymore. I'm talking about yeah. teams that now perceive themselves as Super Bowl championship material actually going and getting somewhat viable backups, not to play the entire year, but to Collar's point. Can you get us to through? hold it together for three or four games? If you exactly, have to. yeah. Can you get us through that? Yeah, and Case Keenum just happened to fall into a situation where he was playing on one of the best teams in the league, and then he had, as the coach said, a horseshoe around his <clears throat> neck, and it got left here. And, it's in the corner well, of the TCO Performance what, Center, it? and Case wants it back. Did it? Because Case Keenum's one and zero with three one of picks. the best offensive performances. I'm just saying. Three picks yesterday. I, I know, three but picks. He, Case Keenum just wins. His little neck. He just wins. He won the game yesterday. All I know is that Zim was very happy. Cousins threw no picks and case through three. All right, we will come back and wrap things up. Patrick Royce uh, from Target Field, Twins Yankees tonight, will join us next. People, people, I have an important announcement. Mackie and Judd are back after this brief timeout. On 1500 ESPN. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, Mackie and Judd are back. Come on, there's so much to do. On 1500 ESPN. All right, Mackie and Judd, uh, which for uh, this hour has been Zolgad, Collar, Manny Hill. And now joining us from Target Field, Patrick Royce. What's up, sir? Well, I'm sitting here inspecting the Twins lineup to see if indeed there would possibly be a place for Byron Buxton to fit in. But uh, we got Robbie Grossman hitting fourth in right field. Okay, that spot's taken. You can't take him out. Uh, You got my guy Willie Ostadio. He's the DH hitting sixth. You got Jake Cave hitting seventh in center field against a lefty. And you got Johnny Field hitting eighth playing left field. I don't think there's a place for Byron Buxton in this lineup, do you? Well, if they're getting perfect gamed in the ninth, they'll need Robbie Grossman. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He can draw that walk. You're right about that. The Yankees the the yeah. Yankees being in town is particularly bad timing because if you get them in June or July and schools out people show up I would imagine even the Yankees that the majority of people in this town unless they're a Yankee fan are not going to give a damn Patrick I uh, rode the train over here downtown because I was here earlier today and uh, we the Yankee fans appear to have the Twins fans outnumbered about three to one right now but uh, I would guess you get eighteen maybe you know. Uh, September, Monday. By the way, uh, their attendance is—they've now fallen about a hundred thousand behind last year. They're going to—they're uh, going to have their lowest attendance since two thousand one. So the last nine years wow. in the dome were higher than the third. Last eight really? years in the dome were better than this. Patrick, do you have any more lineup breakdowns, or can I throw something football at you? Let's go football. <laughs> well, let me ask you, are you buying 2018 Minnesota Vikings stock after what you saw? And do you believe in them? Like, is your big picture view is, yes, this is going to work for Rick Spielman and company? <laughs> oh, yes, it is. I uh, think uh, I was very impressed with Cousin Jess. they much more mobile than I thought, taking off, running for first downs, running around in the pocket when there was a pretty good pass rush. 
And uh, defensively, I think they're uh, terrific. Uh, Harrison Smith, I have declared Harrison Smith to be one of the 15 best defensive players in the 58 years of the Minnesota Vikings. Wow. And I have now put him ahead of Joey Browner as the best all-time safety in the history of the Minnesota Vikings. That guy is fantastic. And, uh, you know, they got a bunch of defensive backs now to go with him. Uh, they, uh, the, I think the defense is, is absolutely outstanding. And, uh, you know, they're going to have, the, they're going to have some issues, uh, blocking people. There's no doubt about that. But, uh, Adam Thielen, I mean, man, alive, throw it to him in triple coverage. Who cares? He'll catch it. Where does this defense now, in your opinion, stack up against the great defenses of the, uh, 70s for the Vikings, Patrick? Well, well, it's so much different. The game is so much different. I mean, Paul Krauss is a Hall of Fame safety and he played center field. They don't play center field nope. anymore. They come up and tackle you. <laughs> and uh, center field doesn't exist anymore. It's a, it's a non-position. All they wanted Paul Krause to do was make sure nobody got behind him and intercept passes. And, you know, it's just such a different game now that uh, it, I, I don't think it can be related. But uh, uh, certainly uh, as good as this defensive line is, there's no way it's as good as Feller and uh, Page and uh, Larson and Jim Marshall. I mean, that, and, you know, plus – we we didn't worry about alternating guys in and out back then. Those guys played 100% of the plays. It's just such a different game. <clears throat> and I always say, uh, Jets, the number one thing is offensive lineman. Bud played the same offensive lineman for 12 years, basically. And that doesn't happen anymore. They make these guys uh, do too much. They got to do, they got to move around too much. The guys they're playing against are too dang fast, too dang strong and good. And uh, keeping an offensive line together used to be the easiest thing to do in football in the 70s and even into the 80s. And now, to me, it's the hardest. Patrick, I'm watching the Bears and Packers game last night, and yep. I'm I'm thinking Aaron Rodgers goes down with the injury. Khalil Mack looks like, like he's not human, and he's making play after play after play. The Bears are up 20 to nothing, and then all of a sudden Rodgers comes out. And at that point, you're probably thinking, okay, if he goes back on the field, the Bears are probably in trouble, even as they held on to a 20 to nothing lead. I didn't think they were in trouble because I, when I saw him limping around, but uh, they, uh, you know, they, they got terrified of success. That's for sure. They, uh, you know, they, they let him throw the ball in front of them all over the field. And uh, Khalil had to go over to the sideline and spend half the second half on the sideline because he was all tuckered out and, uh, and uh, he had time to throw, but I want to know what, what what they put in that knee. I don't. It was just a little ice pack. You no, know, I, I think there's something on that knee, and I bet I bet the Vikings don't see him Sunday. You don't think they do? You think he's going to be? I don't out? think he plays. I think there'd be something. I think there's something wrong. Yeah. Oh man, I, do. I, I would be stunned if he's. There's not drugs out there. for that, Pat. More Vicodin. Well, the Vicodin is one thing, but that doesn't make the knee, you know, that doesn't make the knee feel better. I, I think he was, uh, you know, they probably had to shoot him up. I don't know. I don't know. How would I know? I'm just guessing. I, the way he was limping around, there's there's something in there, don't you think? Well, but Pat, or something? Collar and I are driving to Green Bay, and we sure as hell are not driving there to see Deshaun Kaiser start a football game, okay? Uh, I got a news for you. Rodgers or not, the Vikings win. The Packers aren't very good. I don't think the Packers are very good at all. See, I, Clay, Clay Matthews is 
done. Yes, oh, uh, I agree oh, yeah. with that. I 100% <laughs> agree with that. Right. I still think that Rodgers is so good, dinged up or not, and their defense will get better, that I have them winning the division just based on the strength of the best quarterback in the league tied yeah, with Tom Brady. Yeah, but you're the guy who thought the Bills were going to be pretty good. <laughs> When did I say that? No, no, no. no. <laughs> you're a Bill. Now you're trying to disown the Bills just because they had a little bit of a tough time on the road. A little bit. I think that the Vikings might beat the Bills. I might predict that score to be 72 to nothing. Especially if Nathan Peterman starts. Was yeah. it no, five for 18? No, he, he won't start anymore. Five for 18? It's I me love Trump. Nathan Peterman. I love because you can't think of Peterman without thinking of Peterman on Seinfeld, right? Who's one of the great characters yes. of all time. <laughs> Jay Peterman. It yes. might be a better quarterback, by the way. This is correct. What the hell is wrong with them there? Uh, what, what, uh, what, what, what's wrong with them? They're, so, they're, they're idiots. You ever heard of uh, Jed Clampett? You know who that is? That's <laughs> yeah, their owner. Jed. That's it. It, so, <laughs> the, so they replaced crazy old cheap Ralph Wilson was a guy goofier, huh? Uh, yes. The, if you oh, look wow. at both the hockey and the football club and how they performed since the owners took over, it uh, has not been very good. It's been one mess after the next. They hired Rex Ryan without even asking their general manager at the time. Let's think about that. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe they should bring him back. And, and then was, uh... they draft the worst quarterback, first-round prospect, because he has big hands. Mm-hmm. So, you know, big hands are uh, the uh, Gophers lost the running back, huh? Yep. Wow. Ronnie Smith That's, done for the year. Well, that shouldn't hurt him this Saturday. But, hey, look at what happened to the uh, West right now. Yep. Right now, uh, the Gophers and Iowa are fighting to be the second-best team. Except, Peru, we thought they were supposed to be good. They lost to the Eastern Michigan except, at home. You know what, Pat? Northwestern loses a non-conference game like this, like they did to Duke on Saturday every year, and we all say, oh, that's it, they're in trouble, and then they'll be fine. Uh, I, I'm uh, seven victories minimum for the Fighting Gophers after. Seven. All right, all right. Seven, seven victories minimum. We're going to the bowl game, baby. Oh, can't wait, can't wait. Thank uh, you, sir. I mean, you're going. I'm not. No, I'm not going either. I'll watch it. All right. See ya. See ya. Enjoy the ball game. See you out there. Patrick Royce, who's going to join us quite a bit uh, near the end of the show, usually on Mackie and Judd. Any final thoughts, Matthew Collar, before we're done? Because it's only a three-hour show. I can't believe yeah, it. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I I do look forward to an entire... Throw away that whole fourth hour, right? Yes, Judd? it's gone. <laughs> I, I look forward to an entire week of all of the national reporters in football jumping over each other <sighs> with... You know, tridents and machetes trying to be the first to report what's wrong with Roger's knee and how long he will be out or if he's going to play this week. Roger's weekend. knee gate. So, it's yes. coming. Yeah, it's we, coming. But you guys the... are so right. You guys are so right. It's not as if the Vikings are going to be like, ah, Kaiser's starting. We're just going to prepare <laughs> right, for Kaiser. Right. Like, there's no way they're going to do that. <laughs> there's nothing. So just come on right. and tell us. There's nothing that Kaiser could do that you'd be like, oh, we better prepare for whatever that is. Did like, you... <laughs> even Rodgers is is mobile, too. So it's not like yes. Kaiser can, and Kaiser doesn't even run a I lot just, or anything. I still don't understand what, what they did. He played against the Packers last year in a Browns uniform Deshaun Kaiser did, and he was awful. Like, what, what did they look it's... at from him and say, Got to get that kid in, man. I really think that it's the state of quarterbacking that you know everyone is just so desperate, even to have a backup quarterback, that they will try just about anything. Like, well, you know, we saw two or three passes of six hundred on tape that we can fix them. We can fix them. We can fix them. We're done. Back at three o'clock tomorrow, Mackie and Judd.